you can find a Pizza Hut, a Subway, and a um, Dollar General all in usually the same town. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes, it's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And this week, we let there be carnage. <laughs> we let it. We allowed it. We allowed it. Yeah, we, we, we decreed it. I, I slammed the gavel down and everything. <laughs> uh, Marvel might be gearing up for their Midnight Suns, if you know what that is. Chris, I don't, so you'll be telling me I along with the audience. love it. Jungle Cruise is getting a Disney Plus release alongside oh, this theatrical yeah. I forgot thing. about Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. And more. Yeah, I was curious if, because um, uh, I've only been on the Jungle Cruise ride once at Disneyland, and it's, uh, it's quaintly old still. I, I believe it's been intentional for a while to kind of leave it kind of antiquated. You know, it's kind of an old ride. The animatronics don't have a whole lot of movement, especially compared to the other stuff in the park. So when I heard that this movie like was announced, I was like, oh, are they going to refresh the Jungle Cruise ride? I wouldn't mind. I would yeah. love to see it. I would lo- It needs to be updated. Like, you can only hold on to, like, old traditional stuff in a theme park for so long. Like, I feel like sometimes people forget, like, this is a theme park. This is a place to well, go to have like fun. You're not going to keep your old, old traditional like values and rides here for uh, you, you know for like a long time. You need to go to Disney World then because you're you would be impressed with how much they're, they're hanging on to those old. It's a small <laughs> world rides, but I, I just want to say of that Jungle Cruise is one of like my top three favorite adventures at a Disney park um, mm-hmm. because the way they do it it's very um, full of puns and bad jokes that you know that I'm yeah, very fond yeah, of yeah a lot of the ride is the is the the, the tour guide at the yeah, front of the boat and I know they've recently updated it the ending is now actually you get in a gift shop um, because there were issues with the other they used to like have some sort of like trader thing like a person that was referenced but there was some sort of issue around that uh, I was informed about this earlier this week, by the way. Um, but like, I really enjoy like it's it's a simple ride that anyone of like you know your grandparents are gonna enjoy, kids are gonna enjoy. There's nothing really terrifying, and if you get a really really good host on the boat, right? Like it it can it can really take that to the next level. And I think that just showcases like you know the the tech is old, but the the cast members at Disney can really make or break your adventure kind of there so i mean like theme parks in general are starting to open back up too because the uh the because the jungle cruise ride reminds me a little bit of the jurassic park ride at universal studios which is also very or i should say it was very very dated a lot of the animatronics didn't do their primary motions anymore there's this big set piece where a car is supposed to fall off a cliff i've never seen it do that because i got to the ride like way too late in its heyday but that recently just reopened and now it's a jurassic world ride Mm -hmm. and the animatronics are supposed to be like top notch and everything so i have to do everything i can to not watch videos of it online because there's like if you've never dipped your toe into the theme park kind of influencer world like you can you can virtually visit every theme park on the planet because they all go to these theme parks they take videos of every ride they analyze everything that even even the the line that you wait in so you don't even have to you know go all the way to like tokyo disney if you want to see the tron ride right you can just go watch a ride through video of it if you want to but like i can actually go to this ride eventually so i have to like not watch the 
the videos it, people are posting online. If you want to talk to me about uh, maybe how to use VR and Oculus in the next realm, it's sell me a virtual um, amusement park ticket. I mean, I would, I would, I would, I would enjoy to to do that. Like where they, like the the manufacturer or like you know the actual park gets to make it rather than just a three sixty video kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like there is a lot of really cool stuff that you could do with VR and theme parks. But I I always kind of when I had my my brief stint with VR headsets in the past, um, there's always like games and experiences and stuff that people want to sell you, but. I would kind of got to the point where I was like, I just kind of want to explore almost like kind of a static environment, kind of like, you know, once you like binge watch, like all of the Harry Potter movies, you're just like Hogwarts castle is so cool. Like instead of like waiting around for like a video game to spend tons of money on like, you know, creating the castle and all these games and adventures and characters, like why can't like somebody just like take like a couple months and just perform, perfectly model the grounds of Hogwarts inside and out. And then I just slap on a VR headset and I can just walk around and explore, you know, there's not, there could be some interactive elements like, you know, doors and stuff like that, but like, I don't need to fight a troll or anything like that or like run away from a basilisk. I just want to like walk and just Mm -hmm. experience the vibe. So I don't know if there's a lot of stuff uh, yeah. out there like that. So, so I, they have become more less gamey, more experiences. Cause what essentially what mm-hmm. I, you would need is imagine taking the, the Skyrim game and removing all the monsters, right? Like pretty mm-hmm. much and just give you that open world to walk around in VR. Um, sounds kind of like something you are. I, I like the on rail stuff. If I'm going to be completely honest, like um, where I don't have to move myself and I can just rotate and interact with things, whether it be mm-hmm. shooting or, you know, dodging something like that. I'm a, I'm a big on rails fan, but I mean that comes from my again my I'm a favorite of of arcade games and like right that's what you do in an arcade is you sit on rails and and do that kind of stuff. So um, I, I I agree. I think I think it'd be fun to do the the theme park stuff like that. Like if they gave you the experience, like oh you can you know buy the Jurassic World um, ride at home to experience it for a little bit because I've never I've never been to Universal. Uh, it's not that I'm against it. I just haven't had the chance to go there. So I look forward to to do it now that everything's back open well, uh, to, bring back it, up. to bring it all back around they can save a lot of money on uh, rehabbing the Jungle Cruise ride and just slap yeah. headsets on everybody have the same person up front talking and then it's like instead of seeing like the really really bad animatronic elephants mm-hmm. you look like a whole rendered elephant in your uh, head it is <laughs> but I like the jokes about the. they know it's a fake elephant and they, they sell you on that because it, it's VR jokes yeah, now yeah, yeah. it's going to be three dimensional jokes uh, coming right at you I need, I need someone I need a live person on the other end guiding this VR thing giving me different mm. jokes every time around with their personality but um, yeah so moving on to that Mike you've been watching some stuff I am moving houses uh, I'm not going to get to watch a lot of things because my house is essentially in pieces right now and mm-hmm. we've, we've talked to ad nauseum about that so hopefully you know in, in a couple of weeks I'll be in a new house be able to catch up on stuff but it looks like you've been able to to kind of dive into a couple of these things that are they're popular. It looks like Netflix seems to be your home this week. Yes, I, I, I've decided I need to do a little bit of due diligence for the TV show and at least dip my toe into this new uh, Miller World show, Jupiter's Legacy, right? That's the name yes. of it, right? I keep mentally getting it confused with Jupiter Ascending. It is not Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter's Legacy is the first one, and Jupiter's Circle was the second comic. Gotcha. So Jupiter's Legacy, I'm only two episodes into it uh, right now, 
And I don't think I've heard the word Jupiter yet, so I don't know exactly what the hell Jupiter is supposed to mean. Or maybe it was an offhanded name mentioned. So I don't know exactly what the title means just yet. But when you first start watching it, you start to get Invincible vibes uh, very, very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's just because uh, the that uh, animated show just came out very recently. And I was actually trying to think of like the timeline. Uh, wouldn't the Invincible comic and the Jupiter's Legacy comic probably be within the same kind of time publication no um I, I feel like they probably came out close to i don't nope. know much about them but they're somewhat modern <laughs> the, comics aren't they in, invincible was 2000s and uh like early 2000s like 2001 uh-huh. 2002 jupiter's legacy was 2011 2012 oh uh, okay so they're 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 about a decade apart yeah but, uh, 2013 actually because i remember I, I was it was post-college for us i was like uh, it's a relatively new book series uh over, overall compared to invincible gotcha. which I think went for like 15, 20 years. So, yeah. Gotcha. Well, when you start dipping your toes in the Jupiter's legacy, you, you start to see lots of similarities. Uh, the first story that's kind of presented to you is the the struggle between like superhero parents and their, their, um, their prodigies that are also born with superpowers. And you get a little bit of that Invincible. And now, I, I haven't quite made my way through Invincible yet, but I kind of have an idea of where that story is starting to head. And I think Jupiter's legacy is kind of going in a similar zone but telling a different story entirely and Mm -hmm. it it seems interesting because uh in jupiter's legacy uh what is it josh dumel yes yes uh, yeah he's uh sheldon yeah so he he seems to be kind of like the um the omni man of that world the superhero of this world kind of like the uh the captain america the the big hero on top right that has this big uh but this code that he's trying to uphold is kind of what you're presenting yeah the only difference is i think between those is that he doesn't do it publicly like he's like we will only help people like we were not going to go around the world and be like captain america or like superman kind of thing right like He's that's very like local. We're gonna stop trains, but we're not gonna like form a Justice League and, and present the Justice League to the world kind of thing. Correct? Well, well, there there is kind of like a Justice League presented in this TV show, so who knows? Yeah. Um, I, I'm uh, familiar well, with the comic book, so I, yeah. Gotcha. I'm sure. So really, they're they're telling this kind of interesting story. I'm starting to notice where um, these heroes uh, get their powers. They're not born with them. They they get their powers at some point around the time of like the 1930s like the, the Depression era. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of flash forward to present day, which they should theoretically be about like 120 years old. But they are looking maybe like they're more in like their 60s or 70s. So they're kind of starting to tell this story of what happens if an all-powerful superhero kind of starts to outlive their ideals, right? You know, they thought that, you know, you know, living by a code of like mercy and and uh, crime, you know, and, and justice and catching the bad guys and not killing them would pay off. But since they have these powers that's kind of limiting their aging, they're kind of starting to see like, oh, this code that I've been upholding really isn't doing a whole lot. Like the world is still kind of divided. We're just kind of catching bank robbers. There's still all these really big bad actors in the world. So there seemed the there seems to be this narrative growing just within these first two episodes that like maybe we kind of need to change the way we do things. We're these all powerful gods and maybe we kind of need to act more like that. So I'm curious to where it's going to go. But if you have been watching Invincible on Amazon Prime, you will get very similar vibes when you start watching this. Um, but since it's live action, uh, the old people makeup is kind of weird, Chris. It's yeah, not the best. I, that's what I said. I, when I saw the trailer last time, I'm like, I don't like the way it looks. Yeah, some of the longer close-up shots of some of these quote-unquote old man beards 
aren't the best. Uh, some of the under eye makeup looks a little crusty, almost not like a old person. Old people literally aren't crusty. People might use that terminology every once in a while, but they're not literally crusty. And sometimes you get a little bit of that. So that can be a little distracting. And since I'm not too familiar with the characters yet, there's this one character that's kind of bound to a wheelchair. And I can't tell if they're supposed to be old or not because they either went very, very light on the old people makeup or uh, he's not supposed to be old at all, but he's kind of talking like he's an old person because when he communicates with one of the younger heroes, he's not quite saying old whippersnapper, but he's kind of saying things like that. So I'm like, okay, this is really confusing. Uh, but some of the special effects are, are cool and exciting. There's kind of like this big kind of muscly monster type of villain that's in it, and they decided to go kind of more practical suit with it, which is kind of charming because you don't see a whole lot of practical uh, special effects anymore. Usually it probably just would have been a CG person slapped onto um, like a human face slapped onto it. So there's 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 something intriguing about the story overall, but I'm only two episodes in, um, and they, they do like flashbacks back to – when mm-hmm. they about they got their powers so I'll, I'll be checking back in on jupiter's legacy is the long-winded way of saying it there's there's something curious there i don't know I, if i if i can overwhelmingly recommend it yet but there's something building that i want to know more about yeah one of the things i'll tell you um having listened to reviews of the show again like i said because i'm a, I'm a person of the comics i would not read the comic book before you watch the show mm-hmm. um a lot of this apparently takes place like as a prequel to the comic book so like oh, the okay. next season would be where the book kind of takes place. Uh, they're witchering it. They're doing. Yeah. They're doing what they do. With the so witcher. yeah, if you're interested, you're like, oh, I should read it first. This is a big solid. I don't think you should kind of thing. I think uh, you could go into this. And then the other thing is, you know, why why why, why does Mike Miller, you know, um, his, his why does people tend to adapt his properties? One, I think he he writes some for for this kind of stuff. But I don't also think he's very precious about it because I've also been you know privy to the changes they've made to some of the stuff characters throughout and like you know again uh he did kingsman which isn't very much like the book at all wanted is a completely different thing um you know this uh kick-ass is pretty close um but you know this is uh something that's again not covered in the book so i don't think he's too precious of yeah it. i mean uh, miller seems like the type of guy that wants to approach a genre and take it from a different angle right yeah. you know kick-ass is a very much like a realistic interpretation of what if somebody wanted yeah. to become a hero you know, how would that go yeah. in, a, in a very realistic world? You know, Jupiter's legacy yeah. seems like an angle of like, oh, what if all of this superhero stuff was, you know, kind of affected by modern day? Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, he he wrote um, literally my he's uh, the progenitor of the ultimate comic universe. Like he wrote the Ultimates, Ultimate mm-hmm. X-Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four. Like he, he is known for like I've, I've been following him. I think he also wrote, you know, Marvel Civil War. You know, like he's known for for writing things that translate to movies that people mm-hmm. really like. Uh, Old Man Logan, uh, you know, which again spawned the movie Logan kind of thing, right? So, um, he he's been doing he he always does good stuff. But like I said, what he writes is definitely not what they always transfer to screen, and he's fine with that. He's like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's totally cool. So I'm excited to see more Miller World stuff come to Netflix because I know they're working on stuff. Um, yeah. And then just to, just so you know, um, the 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 name Jupiter's Legacy is taken from the Roman god Jupiter, which actually has nothing to do with the, the characters in it. So you probably won't hear the title. <laughs> okay, I was because I, I was trying to remember the main character's name. It's kind of utopian, comparable 
utopian, right? Because yeah. there's utopian, and then an invincible. It's Omni Man, so they're all kind of taking yeah. these kind of like uh, obscure kind of uh, ways to say that you're all powerful. Yeah, yeah. So but, all right, but, I, I, I will I will take my radar down for looking for the word Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want you to look for it the whole time, and then you're like, <laughs> they never said Jupiter once. What the hell? So yeah, yeah. I think you're good there. Yeah. So and, and then, then uh, this other one, I actually just saw the trailer for season two today for the first time. So yeah. is this out already? Yeah, this is out. Season okay. two of Love, Death, and Robots is there. And unfortunately, it's a bit of you blink and you miss it because it had been a while since I had seen the first season. I had to go back and look. First season had 18 shorts. This season has eight shorts. So you'll just breeze through it so quickly, and then you'll just kind of forget that you ever watched it, which is a little unfortunate. Now, it, this could be COVID-related. Uh, maybe there's a strategy in place where this is technically Volume 2 of Love, Death, and Robots, and maybe Volume 3 is maybe slated for later this year or maybe early next year or something like that. So maybe it won't be a whole other year or two until you see more of it. Uh, so there could be a strategy there, but... It is kind of hard to get lost in it because that's what I really liked about the first volume. I just kind of sat down on my couch and I just like binged watch like the first half of the season, which is like nine shorts all at once. And then you knew like, oh, later in the week you could watch more of them and you get lost in all these different unique narratives. Uh, there's some standouts in this one, though, that you can look forward mm -hmm. to. Uh, the second to last one is the is the one where the characters modeled after Michael B Jordan and I'm sure you'll see that face a lot when the season 2 is promoted cuz that's probably the biggest face that they could connect to all of these shorts and man there are some shots here of that short where they have surpassed the uncanny valley you know, uh, when he's like when Michael B. Jordan's character is like in motion and he's doing stuff in this kind of like sci fi space world, like, yeah, you can tell it's a CG environment and they've done a very, very lifelike impersonation of his face, you know, and all looks very, very good. But then there's like a one or three close up shots where he's just kind of slumped down on the floor, you know, trying not to die. And it's just like, if I took a screenshot of this, I could fool like anybody that this was a real camera in front of Michael B. Jordan. It's really astonishing what you can do when you're kind of doing an animated short and you only have to worry you only have to concentrate on like 12 minutes that's it you don't have to worry about uh, building out a story that's going to last longer than that you don't have to worry about an asset that you might have to reuse in the third act of the film or anything like that they're like your entire job for this month is to concentrate on these like four frames of Michael B. Jordan's face, make it look mm -hmm. as realistic as possible. And I was, I was honestly really, really astonished. Uh, so uh, they're, they're really pushing the envelope with a lot of these. And you saw that in the first volume as well. I would say the first volume, you kind of got about half realistic looking stuff. And the other half is kind of experimental, like animation of like, Oh, stop motion or kind of interesting, goofy, quirky looking characters. I would say this is about the similar makeup as well. So you can definitely watch it for the technical achievement, but there was one, there was another one. That's an interesting story about, Oh, what if the human race uh, could live forever? What would that mean? Mm -hmm. That would Is, mean it, is that the, the, the very, like, it looks kind of like, um, I don't know, like a far side kind of animated style. Like, the old people in a pool. Oh, that's the that's the very first short. Okay. That's kind of like the that's like the the comedic one. No, no, okay. no. This this one is kind of it feels a little bit more Black Mirror, where like there's a detective that has to kill children because they can't have the population increasing if nobody's dying. So that one is very very dark, an interesting story. Uh, and then I always look forward to the really funny one, the comical ones. And there's this uh, stop motion one about uh, Santa Claus, but. Uh, it kind of takes it from the angle of like, why do we have to assume that Santa Claus is human? You know, if mm. we've never seen it, if we'd never seen this person before, it 
very well take a very different shape. And that one's only like two or three minutes long, and it's really, really funny. So, uh, like I said, only eight, only eight episodes. You will breeze through these in one setting very, very easily. But mm-hmm. it's great to see the the gamut that animation uh, takes right now. So, Love, Death, and Robots, Volume 2, crossing my fingers that before the year's out, maybe we'll get Volume 3. Yeah. Possibly, maybe, maybe not. They they tend to do that. Was it when we we talk about where they do like um, we talk about with the Bad Batch where they could have made it two seasons across sixteen episodes, but they're like, mm-hmm. no, we're gonna do one full. Like they usually do eight, eight or so, and like oh, the next one they did with Harley Quinn, they split the like the first and second season apart up like that. But that's fine. Jump talk. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump right in. It's talking about animated shows, Mike, that have been canceled. Now being revitalized, Adult Swim came out of nowhere swinging this week, Mike. Swinging fists to people of our age group, of our bracket, if you watch Adult Swim shows. They are giving us new feature-length films for the shows, canceled shows such as Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Metalocalypse, and Venture Brothers. Um, all these shows, again, have been previously canceled by uh, Cartoon Network Adult Swim and have been off the air for several years, I believe. I think Venture Brothers might have been the last one that had a, yeah. had a season. Yeah, it's weird being a Venture Brothers fan because that show has weirdly been like experimentally released. It had a very it had a much more traditional uh, kind of airing where you know they would order a season you know they would animate and create you know like 10 or so episodes and that's a season the next year you get another one but then things would happen you'd have to wait four or five years for the next season and then there are some of these interesting seasons where the seasons were only like two episodes or three episodes long but they were like feature length episodes and then they would get spaced further and further apart so it's, it's very strange to be a Venture Brothers fan because you really got to keep up on the release wiki you know yeah, yeah, exactly. And and as someone, um, again, my one of my favorite television shows ever is Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I'm, I mean, I think we've talked about that before. We even mm-hmm. had Dana Snyder do an intro to the show before, uh, who voices Frylock. I, I've met all the people. And what's that show went on for 15 years? They even had a movie already, um, and they changed their name. What was it every season after like the um, the seventh season? They changed their name. It was like Aqua Teen Hunger Force Forever. You know, Aqua TV Show Show. Like they always just changed the name for some reason. And I think it was like, so they wouldn't have to do syndication or something like that. I think it was something funny. Um, but um, I think the other one is also, you know, Metalocalypse, you know, a four, four season kind of uh, uh, show with the, with the one hour musical special, you know, I think was the last thing they did in 2013. So like this is this has been sitting there for eight years, you know. Um, yeah, this out. this is this is obviously the power and the wealth of HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if necessarily there's analytics on their end where they see like, oh, we actually have a large portion of people that are coming to HBO Max and specifically rewatching these three things, and that very well could be the case. But also, it could be that HBO Max reached out to Adult Swim and they're just like, hey. Uh, we, we need some more content. We need some more stuff. Uh, what what do you think will drive some more subscribers? Like, I don't know. Let's bring back some of our most beloved animated franchises. And I, I, I really like this type of... It's hard to say revival for some of these things because I feel like they haven't been off air for that long. Maybe it's just because I grew up with these things and I feel like mm. they're still around me. But I love it when things come back in just movie form. Like, they did this uh, with a lot of Nickelodeon stuff over on Netflix. They did um, Invader Zim. They did Rocco's Modern Life. And they did Hey Arnold. Well, it's a... And they all, got, they all got movies. And it was great because I don't need an entire season of these shows to revisit what I love about them right you know like i'm not a kid anymore i'm not gonna like sit down and watch like you know 12 new episodes of like hey arnold i just want like one 
perfect Hey Arnold brand new experience that I can watch. So I think this is a great, great uh, strategy to take with these three properties. Mm -hmm. And also, um, just to correct you, they are not going to HBO Max until after a 90-day exclusive window on physical and digital. So so they're not... I think it's great they're going to HBO Max and Adult Swim, but like that, that I guess that's not why they were uh, come to fruition. I guess maybe they were like, we can't make it last year. They were like, we cannot make any live action shows. What can we do? Oh, let's find these three kind of. I, I would say Venture Brothers is the the most detailed animation, but Aqua Teen is one of the least detailed animation shows <laughs> yeah. to ever make in the world. Um, so like, let's make let's go revisit some of these and and you know see like they could have the the numbers on HBO Max say, oh, people are tuning in to Aqua Teen and, mm-hmm. and Metalocalypse. But like, well, I'll, I'll rephrase what I said yeah. to be more accurate. AT&T has the yeah. money since AT&T technically owns all of it. They do. Yeah, they do. Warner, Warner Media is killing it here. But I think that's, I think this is great. This is for me, again, Aqua Teen to be revisited. Um, I'm not hoping for, again, like I was going to say, a Futurama situation where they did three movies and then it got a show back again for several mm-hmm. years. Like you said, we don't need a show. We don't need like everything's doing the what the revival episodes these days, like the reunions. Like um, this is this is enough of a reunion for for Adult Swim for me. Twenty mm-hmm. twenty one, twenty two years later, whenever this comes out. But um, I, I think this is um, if you're a fan of these shows or you grew up with them, this is fantastic news for everybody. So mm-hmm. so yeah, gonna gonna do that. On the flip side of fantastic news, uh, X Men: The Last Stand <laughs> is now available on Disney Plus. Whoa. And this brings out the worst because I've seen people literally on Twitter fighting and arguing that this is the best X-Men movie no. of the franchise. No. Yeah. What are you doing, people? <laughs> this, they, they are literally saying X-Men 3, The Last Stand, is the best one of every movie, every X-Men movie ever made. Um, wow. And I'm like, did you see the first two before it? I mean, that those alone. Uh, or, I mean, like, technically, Deadpool's you know, yep. kind of technically an X-Men movie. If you think about it, I, I would wager to say Deadpool's a million times better. Than well, I, I was Deadpool, Logan. I'll even give you days of future past. I mean, I, I would gladly watch any of those over mm-hmm. the last yeah. stand again. Um, yeah. Logan's great. Yeah. That's a really good one. Like um, you can literally just throw mutants in here for, for <laughs> whatever. And, and they did, they like, they had the guy who um pulled the bones out of his arms um, that guy, he went on to play Karnak in the Inhuman show. So, you know, he's doing really well. He's got a good agent. We should probably uh, poor guy uh, talk to him about that. But like, you know, again, it's nice that all the same actors carried over right from the other two. I think that's a, a benefit the last stand had. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they killed Cyclops off in the first five minutes. Like they just totally wiped him out um, because that actor, James Marsden, went on to be in the Superman movie, which didn't do Superman James Marsden's doing pretty good now. He's in the Sonic the Hedgehog oh. movie. He's on a sh- he's on a really good Netflix show called mm-hmm. uh, Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. He was he was really, in really Westworld. Uh, he was a great. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And James Marsden, he's done a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad stuff. I, I can't knock him. He was a great Cyclops, right? Like, um, but yeah, this is just not the best X Men movie ever. Um, and don't don't add us if you think it is because you're wrong. <laughs> um, but I also noticed that May thirteenth, I was told, is X Men Day. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, a Fox announced this in 2019 that um, May 13th is officially X Men Day, so maybe that's when this show, this movie dropped on Disney Plus. I uh, mean, I, I, I guess maybe the only thing that we should uh, think about that day is if they actually want to turn it into something. Maybe May 13th is a day when Feige rolls out of bed and officially announces, you know, mm-hmm. the X Men movie that's coming out, or. If after it's announced, maybe it's a day we get the first trailer for X-Men. So yeah. maybe we'll be hearing May 13th again in the far future. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, my guess, I mean, what I would think is we've, we've heard someone Disney Plus launch um, the X-Men animated movie getting a, you know, a season revival. I guess we literally mm-hmm. just talked about Adult Swim. Like, wouldn't that be great to watch that next year on X-Men Day? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a really obscure, like, this day has nothing to do with X-Men. I just want everyone to be clear. This is not like May the 4th. Like, May the 4th be with you. The, the May 13th is just really obscure, random day they picked out to, to do this. So... Um, hopefully you can go watch your X-Men movies. I've not seen how many of the X-Men movies are on, um, Disney plus lately. I assume the R rated ones aren't, those are on Hulu. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can catch most of them on there. Um, and I believe in the the leg relegated to the legacy, the legacy section. Yes. Where your agents of shields and humans are. (laughs) Um, so yeah, but go check that. I believe dark Phoenix might still be on HBO max unless it's finally moved over. I don't know. Nobody cares about that movie. <laughs> Moving on. Dro- I mean, Monday morning, drop this trailer, Mike. Drop this trailer hard on us. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The upcoming um, Sony film dropped this first trailer, and I will give them this. You know what they did this time, Mike? They didn't do it the first trailer for Venom. They showed us the symbiotes. They actually gave us what what the, <laughs> what the symbiotes look like. Now, uh, again, you know, the, there are very differing opinions on this movie. Some people love it. Some people don't love it. That's fine. Whatever, but this trailer um, introduces to Woody Harrelson's Carnage character, which um, you know I believe is everyone's what second favorite symbiote uh, in the world, <laughs> um, mostly because was it the '90s Maximum Carnage? Like there was a video game, yeah. and a comic book I series. I mean, nothing, nothing uh, describes '90s comic books better than uh, symbiotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, symbiotes uh, in like the the video game Maximum Carnage. We got to play Spider Man and Venom together. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. So, um, we get to see this movie. I, it opens up on, um, a, a very, I would say this is a very Andy circus note, Mike. Um, the actor known for playing Gollum and Lord of the Rings and having conversations with himself opens up with literally Eddie Brock having <laughs> breakfast made for him by his venom symbiote. Um, it like coming out of him kind of thing while he, while he sits there. Uh, I don't know what part of the movie this is in, but apparently uh, it was said that he has been with Eddie for about a year and a half. This is like a year and a half since the last movie takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, that people, the intro sequence I, I've seen has rubbed people the wrong way. Uh, and some people have embraced it being like, okay, at least they're not taking itself too seriously in in the opening yeah, things here. So yeah, I don't really know exactly what to take away from this trailer. I've been struggling a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. we've been holding a lot of hopes, you know, at least me particularly that I didn't enjoy the first Venom film that much that, uh-huh. Oh, Andy circus is going to come in and kind of, maybe reinvent the franchise, push it in a different direction, you know, bring some vision to it. And really, after I watched this trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, this just seems like more of what we already saw in the first film, which isn't necessarily insane if you're like a producer or somebody over at Sony because the first Venom movie made a lot of money. So, you know, why mess with something that, you know, filled your wallet? But for me, I'm just kind of like, yeah, this just I, I looks like I've watched this movie already, mm-hmm. except Woody Harrelson is in it. He's he, like he's like literally in the exact same kitchen he was in the first one. There was kind of similar antics happening in the first film in that kitchen as well. Um, I just keep thinking, OK, yes, it's we do get carnage. But besides Carnage maybe just having a different personality, what's the difference between the goop that Riz Ahmed played in the first film, right? It's just Mm going to be 
a bunch of goop fighting each other, but now instead of like dark gray goop versus black goop, it's black goop versus red goop. Mm. Now I'm sure, I'm sure like a, a different director like Andy Serkis might be able to bring more clarity to some of the action scenes with uh symbiotes fighting each other. Maybe the stakes will be different because, you know, carnage is like a psychopath. So maybe he'll be doing some, Maybe he'll be setting up some crazy, like, you know, scenarios that are no win, and then, you know, Venom has to come yeah. in and figure all of this well, stuff out. So the story could go in a different direction, but it does just feel so much the, like the first movie, which it is not really making me super excited. Well, I think there, there's two things to take away from that. I think this movie has the difference is the first one was symbiote versus symbiote. Like, they were all against each other kind of thing. Um, whereas this one is like, it could be a human versus human. Like, when you say the stakes, right? Like, literally... Mm. Uh, Woody Harrelson is playing Cletus Cassie, a, he was getting literally lethally injected in the trailer. Like they are killing him, and it looks like maybe, um, maybe the the injection mixes with a symbiote that's in him, or possibly. Um, it looks like he can actually like his symbiote can morph his body a little bit more, um, turn to mist. But the other thing is, um, with this, is Sony is notorious for cutting bad trailers, like notorious, right? Like you remember into the Spider Verse, how bad those were, like getting into there, like. <laughs> They're notorious, uh, along with Pixar, for cutting horrible trailers. Now, I could see, like, the the producer be like, okay, cut a trailer that looked like the first one, or the, I guess the last trailer from the first movie, to make it get those people who spent the money back in before we show them something different. But I do think the, the Carnage thing, it looks, he looks a little more... I, I like the weaponized version of him. Um, there's um, a couple of things here. I'm, I'm going to go through this, this Easter egg list here because I think this is where a lot of people who... Um, well, I think we are comic book nerds. These are people who get upset about little things way more than we do. <laughs> there is a Stanley Easter egg in here. He's on, he's in the um, news rack whenever he's going into the Yeah, I saw that one. He's like on a magazine cover or yep. something like that. For that. Um, the Daily Bugle design that the uh, detective um, Mulligan has is from the same Raimi era. So like the front cover and the mm-hmm. icon are the exact same from like Spider-Man 1 and 2, which is cool. Uh, the newspaper also says Avengers whenever he like slams it closed, like someone pulled a frame out where it says literally like an Avengers title, like in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the symbiote Shriek appeared. Did you see that? The girl in the, the glass yeah, tube? that kind of has the scar across the face. Yeah, so Shriek um, is, uh, she was part of the Maximum Carnage uh, storyline as well because the, um, as you know, like one of Venom's weaknesses from the other movie is sound and fire, right? So mm-hmm. a symbiote with actually sound abilities was um, it's interesting. And lastly, uh, the detective, um, who was the guy from, um, oh my gosh, Snatch. He's like, you like Dags? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that. That's that. The detective guy. He, uh, Detective Peter Mulligan, in the comic books, turns into a character called Toxin, which is like the uh, the the stupidest thing in the comic books. He's the one thousandth um, progeny of Venom. Mm-hmm. So like, in every like one thousand, they become like super strong and like have like special abilities. Like you know, you're now the one thousandth child of Venom. Um, <laughs> so like. Carnage and Venom were both trying to like persuade him to their side because he was going to be so powerful, and then mm-hmm. he ended up helping Spider-Man in the end. So it really didn't matter. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, again, I, I agree. This this trailer is not a a like oh my god, I gotta go see a trailer. But it is fun to actually see Carnage. Like we're in a world where they've done Venom, and now we get to see Carnage actually come to life. Um, and you know, if they can at least do better than the last one, that will still pull it above medium average, right? Like that'll still put it. Yeah. yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm just curious how creative you can get with yeah. goop. Now, uh, now uh, 
obviously you can. I really just need to pick up like a symbiote comic book, right? You know, I need to pick up like a, a storyline or a trade that goes through a, a story where they, they, they have a lot of these different symbiote characters in it. And maybe I can kind of figure out, okay, what's the way in here? You know, how do I make this entertaining? How do yeah. I make it uh, grounding? How do I, you know make it visually appealing but you know when you say like oh there might be toxin you know we're gonna have carnage you know we're gonna have these um, these other symbiote characters in there and i'm just thinking they're all just gonna be throwing goop at each other right mm-hmm. you know i get it that they're all powerful but like when you're watching like a superhero or a super villain ensemble on screen the cool thing about it is they all have different powers, right? You know, when you think of the airport scene, you know, in Civil War, you have all these characters doing all their different quirks and traits and stuff like that. And just like, okay, now put symbiotes. Imagine that same scene, but put symbiotes on all of them. Okay, well, now I'm just watching Goo fight each other. So I don't know. We'll, you, we'll see. You the, should, the end of the. Well, I'm just going to say go read Maximum Carnage, which is like a 14 book series from the. Um, 2000s or whatever or 90s mm. anyway and they actually I- include the characters carnage and shriek and like how they they fight each other against the avengers even so uh, i i think i think you'll be surprised because i think what was cool about you know the, again the end scene with carnage is like you can see him turning his hands into blades and i don't think they did that in the last one did they did they just punch each other with tendrils yeah maybe I don't um know. <laughs> but, but, but carnage is known for create like again being a serial killer using his things to create things he would kill people with like as a as a killer, so just, I, I'd pick that up. Um, in, in you know, if you can find a collected edition of of, of ult, uh, Maximum Cart, not Ultimate. Maximum I mean, Carnage. I would love to go back and rewatch Venom, but since it's a Sony streaming property, I just uh-huh. checked on just watch. It's on like FX now, Direct TV, and then just. Uh-huh something called subs i don't even know oh this is oh that's the spectrum tile so it's not even it's not even easily available on like a common streaming service so yeah you know if i wanted to go back and revisit were there blade knives or not would that would that have been um that'd be going to netflix going forward won't it is it that's because yeah theoretically theoretically it should i don't know when that's gonna that Mm -hmm. changeover is gonna happen but yeah i guess you could wait a little bit while and maybe you'll see it in that trending section on Mm -hmm. netflix yeah you can also head over to chris flicks yeah, if you're if you're a subscriber to Chris, yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it'll only be up for a couple more days, Mike, before we move. So, <laughs> you die. So yes, yeah, it's it's not the most reliable service. There's one point of failure. Yeah, there and and usually it's uh when someone needs it the most. Uh, it's usually <laughs> when it's down. Uh, but yes, the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer, the first one is out. Um, I believe this is coming out. Is it still October? Um, Who- who knows anymore, Chris? Yeah, this movie's been delayed. It was supposed to come out in 2019, September of 2021. All right, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in the notes here, Mike, so we remember September right. 24th, 2021. So this movie was supposed to be like 2019, right? And then it's been pushed back several times. So um, we we I still you know of the two Sony properties coming out between this and Morbius, I feel this trailer was better. So <laughs> oh yeah, that's a that's an easy yeah. that's an easy low fight hanging, right there. Low hanging fruit. Speaking of going back to the movies and watching things in theaters, Mike, Black Widow, uh, the um, director, I believe maybe even Kevin Feige said that this movie has been sitting fully finished and untouched for over a year now. Um, (laughs) They haven't gone back and used any time or money to retool it based on anything. Um, So when it releases on July 9th in theaters and on Disney Plus, we will be watching the version we would have watched uh, a year ago. Just sitting on a hard drive ready to go. Yeah. I'm really curious if we're going to see that uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus character in this movie yes, at all. Yes, thou... Um, um, looking, out for, looking out for that. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, they. I want to see what, what goes on. I want to know... I want to know who's in the Taskmaster suit, Mike. Like, who who is Taskmaster? Why have they not told us yet? 
Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel like if Taskmaster isn't like a character that maybe we have seen before in the MCU, it'll be like um it'll be like a casting, like a, a the mask will come off and I'm not saying it will be Brad Pitt, but it'll be like a, a an actor will be like, "Oh, we know that person. We've seen that person before." Yeah, they've done a really good job keeping us in the dark on that for sure. So, I'm excited mm-hmm. to kind of see that come to come to fruition so um less than less than two months away mike so that's good good to know uh shang chi and the legends of the ten rings uh the second movie after black widow in the marvel universe will have a 45 day theatrical window before hitting streaming slash disney plus um to watch which is theor uh historically half the date that it would normally be it would normally be 90 days to that so yeah i mean that is a that is a short window i mean we're we're like we're leaving the times where like believe it or not most people don't know what the release window is between a movie and when it comes out because it's almost like scientifically made long enough to where people just kind of forget right mm-hmm. you know it's like you go watch a movie in the in like the early summer right you watch it you think it's great maybe if it's really really great you go back and watch it again and then you forget the movie existed and then all of a sudden it's for sale again like later in the year yep. it's like december's coming around and it's the holidays and you want a gift from somebody yeah go out and get a vhs copy of this movie that i watched during the summer it was great yeah well it used to be made a like sep- made a september may release and then you get in like September or something because I remember doing that with the Avengers movies right when they came out and you know I, I mean I don't know if you remember back when it was like four uh, to five months after it left theaters before you'd even get it I mean we've, we've come a long way in, yeah. in getting those felt, movies it always felt like an eternity it felt like yeah. the whole world itself had moved on to either a different movie a different property the sequel was else. about to come out yeah many other things had happened and now it seems like there's a chance that like the movie could kind of still be in the zeitgeist a little bit by the mm-hmm. time you're able to watch it again yeah so Disney made this deal for all of their movies kind of going forward um, for the foreseeable future, including that uh, the Ryan Reynolds uh, movie Free Guy. Um, and Cineworld, who's the owner of Regal Cinemas here in the U.S., was the first to sign up for that. So um, Regal was also last year the one who like was boycotting Universal because Universal was like, we're not, we're not going to give them to you right away kind of thing. It's going to pay per view. So I said an interesting thing. But the other biggest part of the the Shang-Chi thing is this currently looks like it's unlikely to open in China for some reason. That's strange. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I don't really know why uh, this is. But, like, everyone's been trying to go after that Chinese market, right? Um, and I'm trying to figure out, like, it, it's like a, the Eternals was the other one. Uh, because, you know, it, this seems to be, like, you know, a, a, a movie that kind of made for that audience. Um, but, uh, the government approvals for that are, you know, kind of up in the air, um, and, and even quote unquote banned, if you will. Um, but I think it has to do again, um, from what I, I remember is that Disney is like, you know, against the, um, censorship concerns of the, the, the country over there right now. I believe it might be like the Hong Kong state. I'm not the person to be again talking about this, but like, they it, it might be Disney slash Hollywood's uh you know um message against that is causing a, a rift there to letting them get the movies into yeah into I have theaters. I have no clue I I feel like I doubt it's something content within the film right because right. there's no way that you start a production like this 
with something that may be problematic for half of your box office budget, if not more, or, or returns, if you will. So it's not like, oh, we have something in here we may or may not get away with. Let's just wait and see how China reacts. No, they're going to start from the very beginning of making sure the script is safe for a worldwide release to maximize maximize their return. So yeah, it does make me think that maybe something else is going on there, but I think that's going to be above our pay grade at the current moment. Yeah, I don't Yeah, I don't know what there is, but you know, if we, we start seeing these movies not um, raking in the high-end dollars globally because of the Chinese market, I'm not going to be surprised come come the end of this year. So I'm going to keep an eye on, on, on uh, Shang-Chi and uh, uh, the Eternals as we kind of get there for that. Uh, other news in that, actually in that part of the country, Miss Marvel has been filming over in Thailand uh, for two of its uh, six episodes, and they were recently directed by Academy Award winner Charmaine Obeyed Shinoy, I probably butcher that, uh, who won the best documentary short subject uh, tw- twice at the Academy Awards recently. Yeah, I, honestly, I wasn't expecting to them to kind of, you know, quote unquote, be on location. I thought this kind of might be more of an urban uh, like yep. r- like urban as in like in the city type of uh, TV show. But yeah, if they're kind of globe trotting, that's kind of interesting. You know, how does a, a character uh, of her age and skill set make it across the world? You know, if she's a U.S. based character, mm-hmm. you know, does she you know, does she you know, is this like a Godzilla vs. King Kong? Does she get on like an underground train that takes her over there? Is this like a, a class trip or like, you know, her parents are on vacation I mean, I think the other week when we were stipulating, it, it just seems like at some point in time, uh, Captain Marvel has to be involved in this yeah. TV show. At one point in time, maybe they uh, take a ride, you know, yeah. they fly over there. I don't know. It, lots, it, of, lots of things could happen. I believe uh, some of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. uses uh, use Thailand for the Inhumans um, thing because they're known to be like in the mountain regions in some of the comic books, like uh, where they hide. Yeah, could uh, be possible. So there could be possibly an inhuman campground. Maybe not the inhumans like the royal family, but it could be an inhuman campgrounds kind of thing around the world over there um, if, if they're going that route. But I mean, uh, this was apparently episodes four and five. Uh, the other four episodes did shoot in Georgia, I believe, Atlanta. So where we saw the leak costumes from. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, um, the series with this, the series is also now completed filming, which means it may, I mean, Disney's not rushing these out by any means, but we could possibly be seeing this by Christmas time. You think late winter or late yeah, fall, early I, winter? I feel like that's what it was kind of, uh, that's the ballpark that it's release is supposed to be at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Hawkeye, I think just wrapped or is close to wrapping as well. So I, I believe we're going to forego, um, uh, some other stuff we'll talk about in a minute and, and beginning see, uh, movies or series more frequently as the, as the TV shows or the movies come out too with the TV mm-hmm. shows. So uh, Miss Marvel, we'll keep you posted as, as more comes out. We're stepping into the rumor mill, Mike. Um, yeah, open the door. Do Hold the door open. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Um, rumor is in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, there will be a new incarnation of Johnny Blaze to cameo in the film. Uh oh. And now, mind you, there's no actor attached to this because he can just be literally a flaming skull, right, in a jacket. Mm. Um, but, you know, this could be, you know, because Doctor Strange is going through hellscape dimensions or different realities. Um, but that they are this this place that, that is saying the rumor. I believe it's the hashtag show. They've got a couple big ones before in the past. Um you know, say that this will be a new Johnny Blaze for this movie. Yeah, I, f- I feel like any sort of, like, potential casting 
or cameo that you might see in the Multiverse of Madness or the next Spider-Man movie, you have to take with this huge, you know, grain of salt and, uh, you know, crack of black pepper that... Uh, they're dealing with different dimensions and multiverses, so it's it, it's a perfect time for cameos that might not exist beyond anything except a cameo, right? You know, I, I don't know exactly what multiverse travel is going to look like in my head. I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to visualize it, but I always think of like kind of like that classic trope of like time traveling, where you're kind kind of going down a wormhole, right? And then like clocks are flying by you, you know, ridiculous things like that. And I think like, what if they're going down like a wormhole and then you just get these cameos, like, oh, there's Andrew. Garfield he flew right by us in this little wormhole okay that was the thing that everybody freaked out about for a couple weeks when they talked about him getting a phone call and whether he confirmed being in the movie or not he was just going through the time stream for like two seconds so yeah. oh, we'll wait and see I don't think that's literally what it's going to look yeah. like but that's kind of how my brain's been working well yeah Miss America Chavez who's making her appearance in this is um, she actually punches a whole two dimensions in like, like a star shape um, which is like her ability to, to travel through dimensions and reality. So maybe they'll they'll literally take that kind of thing literally. And then also, like I said, when I watched Doctor Strange a couple of weeks ago, they do say that the um, sling rings are, are uh, portals to different dimensions as well. So um, maybe they're just going to keep it simple, Mike. Just a lot of looks like you're grinding some metal in the garage, sparks flying everywhere for that. <laughs> Um, but Johnny Blaze, again, cool to have Ghost Rider. And that ties into our next rumor, the Midnight Suns. That um, same uh, hashtag just says a Midnight Suns movie is you know, early stages production at Marvel. And the Midnight Suns is essentially the, um, how would you say, like the, the werewolf and vampire hunters, like the supernatural uh-huh. Avengers, if you will. Um, the comics roster, if you look it up, I think the last comics roster they had included Doctor Strange, Moon Knight, Blade, who have all got movies in the works and shows what works, Ghost Rider, Damon Hellstrom, Hannibal King, and Punisher. So um, this would be very interesting if they decide to go down this Dark Avengers, or not Dark Avengers, but, you know, like uh, Avengers Dark, like Justice League Dark kind of thing. But if they are doing the Justice League Dark at HBO Max, I could totally see marvel stepping in with a tv show or movie to kind of combat that as well yeah i mean i i think i briefly brought this up uh, last week but it's getting weirder and weirder for a normal human being to exist in the mcu right you know before they were just like turning on the news one morning and it's just like oh some man built a metal suit oh he's a billionaire okay that makes sense that, that you know that works oh some dude was unfrozen from the past okay things are getting a little weird okay now there's aliens there's a there's a big purple monster my grandma vanished in front of me a couple years ago okay there's vampires now shit's getting really really crazy so it's things are getting cranked up a lot in this somewhat grounded universe so i'm Mm. curious how feige is gonna walk that line of bringing the supernatural stuff because oh. as people have talked about a lot when they compare, you know, the two big comic universes of Marvel versus DC, Marvel mostly has been kind of rooted, you know, in a, in a science-based direction. But, of course, any comic book label that exists past a decade will start getting into weird stuff and you just yeah. kind of have to deal with it no matter yeah. what. So we'll, we'll kind of see how the movie universe yeah. does with that after they've been at it for so many years. Yeah. You know? And, they've, I, and honestly, they've got, they got to or they're going to start reinventing the same characters we've already seen. Mm-hmm. Over and over again. Uh, I think I think one of the biggest things you know we we've talked are are you know are they human you know you know vampire virus stuff like that are they aliens? Is it other dimensions opening up and letting you know dark things in? We don't know. There's a lot like they are messing with a lot of realities, and we might see the effects of um, you know in games you know what they did for, to time travel. 
you know what was Mordo say like you know the bill comes due kind of thing right so like mm-hmm. i think we'll start seeing the effects of what their time travel did to everything else very shortly so um yeah this is fine with me i don't think we'll hear about it maybe anytime soon like i said um literally um blade was left off the most recent video thing doctor strange i think is on everyone's radar because of wandavision um and moon knight you know it's just now starting to film so i I think a lot of these even damon hellstrom had a tv show on hulu that was canceled i think before it even aired so um (laughs) i'm not expecting a lot out of this but you know i just want to put it on a rumor radar in case you know it comes up in five years and we can come back and say like haha told you sucker so um but I'd like to see the Punisher really mowing down some some supernatural creatures, right? Like, oh man, blowing some werewolves apart—that'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> I, I, did you ever see the Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman? I've seen clips, but I've never okay. sat down and put myself through it. Well, he had um one of the, one of the sidekicks. I guess it was like a, a monk or something like a like a friar was making him like machine like belt bolt i guess uh machine belt fed crossbows that were like <laughs> dipped in holy water kind of thing so like could you imagine like the punisher having like you know blessed bullets and stuff like that while shooting up <laughs> this kind <laughs> of stuff yeah it get wild <laughs> there is also that um a, a punisher comic book where he was possessed by dr strange as well so he had like mystic powers as as the punisher too so um it'd be interesting to see the secret invasion shows in the pipeline. It's coming down. The, it's coming down, uh, down the road. They've announced it. They've actually got uh, two directors lined up for it. Uh, Thomas Bazucha, who's worked on Let Him Go, and Ali Selim, uh, who's worked on The Looming Tower. I'm not going to pretend I know any of these people. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, when they hire directors, that means they're serious, right? Like the, the we've announced before that you know with Kyle Bradstreet, uh, who who worked on Mr. Robot, is writing and is an executive producer. So it sounds like mm. they've got. They're in the writing. They're almost done with the writing phase. They're about ready to start well, production. This could also be a good point to bring up that we kind of have to look at these Marvel TV shows more like movies, like kind of Kevin Feige has told us in the past, even when it comes to uh, production as well. Uh, you, normally when a TV show gets a green lit, you know, the executive producer, the, the showrunner, the creator is typically the writer. You know, they're the one that sat down, conceived the idea of the show, wrote out the pilot, sold it to the network. You know, they hired the staff and the crew. They have the budget. You know, they're kind of like the CEO of this little show that they're running. But Marvel's doing things a little bit differently where they're having it seems like almost like I don't want to say like the shows are written by committee, but that seems well, like the directors are taking more of the realm of these streaming TV shows. So really, uh, I think this is a, just a good point to bring up is usually in, in the TV, we look at the we look at the, the, the writing team that are kind of molding the show and we kind of give them the, the credit or the blame when something happens. But, you know, when we're looking at these Marvel TV shows, we need to think of it more like an actual film. It's the di- it's the directors that are really going to be helping these different things but at the end of the day like all things marvel the ladder always goes up to the big executive yeah. producers at the top of the house like feige so well, well uh, it's just less traditional is what we kind of need yeah well i think i think the other thing i think that the missing point is here it's not fully not the directors because there's like at least three plus directors for show there's one head writer rather than a, a writing team if you will like how tv shows like you have like what one writer per episode right usually um the marvel like again if you go like wandavision was written by jack schaefer Falcon Winter Soldier was written by Malcolm Spellman kind of thing, right? Like they are all like Michael Waldron's working on Loki. Like they have one writer per show rather than one writer per episode. 
Um, so they're kind of kind of doing that at the end of the day. I was going to tell you, you're a big fan of the Family Stone, right? Like, isn't that? <laughs> yeah. So, so Thomas Bazucha wrote and directed that movie. Is why I was going to tell uh, you this. Yeah. Uh, I was I was saving oh, now, now. Now it's required. It's required watching. Yeah. Everybody, you got to get out there watch the Family Stone. It's a nice, sweet, fun holiday movie. Yeah. You can sit down with your significant other and just watch a uh, watch a. Um, is it Luke? Uh, yeah, Luke. No, Luke Wilson. Owen Wilson. One of the Wilsons is in it. No, Luke. It's Luke Wilson. Yes. Uh, and then you get to watch a uh, coach. Um, Craig Nelson. The coach. Yeah, Craig Dina. It's just a silly movie. Yeah. Go watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, again, throwing in Sarah and Jessica Parker and Rachel McAdams. Mike, you got yourself a deal. Mm-hmm. But I was saving that for you. I didn't want to put that in there as like what he was known for because I'm like Mike would just eat this up so bad. <laughs> but but he he is the director of that movie and he's only done like two other things since then. So um, one of them was Let Him Go in 2020. So um, yeah, I think I think Secret Invasion is again. I just watched. Um, I didn't put it on here. I did watch Rogue One this week. Um, oh, I went okay. back in, in, the, in the background and um, the actor who plays Krennic. I forget his name. Um, I feel bad. He is the the scroll right in the um, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel movies. He's just fantastic. I love the way he chews scenery up as both those characters, right? Like, um, especially as the scroll. So I'm very very excited to see him return in Secret Invasion, and of course, finally the return of Samuel L. Jackson uh, to the MCU proper in a in a leading role. So, um, sign up for sign up for that. The animated side of the Secret Invasion. I believe is uh, not Major, of what if is the next Marvel TV show after Loki mm-hmm. Mike and EW entertainment weekly says it will debut in August on Disney plus. Um, so we're going to have a summer of black widow for July before we mm-hmm. finally get this. Um, and, but I did notice, I mean, I, I've seen this before several months ago, but they will feature what are called the guardians of the multiverse. And I'm using quotes here that each episode has like a, a featured character, right? Like there's the, the Peggy Carter who got the super soldier serum, you know, um, what if T'Challa became star Lord, this party Thor. We looked at um, the Gamora who was like the, the, the Thanos version. Apparently these are all become the guardians of the, mul- they, they group them into the guardians of the multiverse, I guess. So this can mean one of two things. Either it's going to tie into the MCU at large uh, or it will not. Um, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they do this show without having something in the MCU, Mike, like, but I don't think these characters will come over to the movies, but you know, maybe we see why things don't come over across well, the multiverse through animated I, reasons. I feel like a lot of things Kevin Feige works on, uh, it's always kind of like, well, let's just see how it goes. Right. You know, this could easily just live on as like an animated anthology that we see every couple of years. And they, they, you know, they take a riff on a MCU character, have some fun stuff with it, you know, um, and then that's it. But maybe something could interesting could come out of this because if we're opening up, you know, multiverses and multi-dimensions, you know, maybe this world where Peggy Carter does become, you know, a super soldier, you know, maybe she does pop up in the in the Doctor Strange movie. Like, we don't know. Um, I just hope um, it would be kind of cool, you know, if uh, Jeffrey Wright, you know, is the Watcher. I yeah. could see that being something that carries over, right? You know, yeah. the Watcher is this omnipresent being that can watch over these different multiverses. So, you know, if the Watcher does pop up in, like, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 or something like that, you know, maybe it's voiced by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I agree. I think that would be – I just don't think – like we're not gonna see. I don't think they're gonna get um was it um Haley Atwell coming in as as super soldier powered Agent Carter into the movies, mm-hmm. right? Like this will probably stay within the multi in, in the animated realm, but like 
again, Jeffrey Wright could voice a CG watcher because they've made the watchers before in, uh, what was it Guardians 2? I think Stan Lee was talking to them on a planet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you see any of the Guardians of the Multiverse merchandise out there, um, you know, know it's coming up in the on the What If show. Jungle Cruise, where they show us the backside of water, Mike, <laughs> uh, is opening in theaters and on Disney Plus premiere access on July 30th now. Uh, this movie was also originally supposed to be open in 2019, has been pushed back several times. They're going to go ahead and give it to us in theaters and premiere access. This tells me two things. Um, one, they're very excited about this movie, right? With the rock and Emily Blunt being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they're not fully committed to movie theaters being open by July 30th yet. Yeah. So this is like kind of an interesting equation where, you know, historically I haven't been a, a huge enthusiast with these, uh, with these uh, live action um, Disney uh, Disney movies, but at the same time, this isn't based off of an animated film. This is based on a ride, so this is mm-hmm. more in line of like Pirates of the Caribbean, if you will. Um, I do not envision myself paying thirty dollars to watch this at home. That's just a little much. So I, I think I'd rather spend that money and go to the movie theaters with my wife, and then with that, you know, you know, with even with the movie tickets, you know, we can get some popcorn and stuff like that. You know, at least we'll be able to get out of our house since we're both fully vaccinated. So the equation depends on the situation that you're in, but I just can't, I can't drop thirty bucks well, just to watch this so, on my couch. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing: is this a movie you would normally see? I don't know. That's that's the that, thing. Like, I think the, the, that's the bigger part of the equation. I think at the end of the day, is this something you would normally watch? I mean, when I watch the trailer, it just seems like this crazy, like kind of seed overly CG polished environments with people dropped in them. Right. Like there's sections where they show them like in the jungle and it, it doesn't look like the jungle. Like I've never been to the jungle, but I know the jungle does not look like this, you know? So there's, there's kind of like this weird, like polish over all of it. And you know, you know, the rocks charming. So, you know, who knows, but I could, I could easily see the reviews coming out for this movie going like, yeah, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't very good, but you know, I'm always wrong and people are always wrong. So who knows this could spring the next franchise of ride movies again. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because they actually filmed a lot of this on location. Um, so a lot of it is in like Asia, Africa, and South America rivers. Um, so it's funny that you mentioned maybe they've added a polish to the live action stuff to make it look fake. Then like maybe like supplement the backgrounds a little bit. Because um, I remember when they did the – when it was supposed to come out in October um, uh, of 2019, I, I remember seeing that background. But I think The Rock, again, when he's he not made a movie, this brought in a bunch of money. Um I think it'll be good. I'm excited to see this because again, I, I like the jungle cruise ride. Um, my, we are a Disney family here. Um, more, more than just Marvel and star Wars. You know, my wife is very much in the Disney realm of things. So I could see myself going to the theaters, but I could also see her saying, you know, I do not want to go to the theaters. Let's buy this and, and watch it at home because it will get played multiple times in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, over and over again, much like probably people who have kids would do. Um, my wife will put it on during the day because, again, as a teacher, she gets this summers off, right? So she'll be home and she can watch it multiple times. Well, I mean, we got like eight, we got like ten weeks, so a lot can happen yeah. and change in ten weeks. So yeah, exactly. But I, but I could also see like this being something that we buy and watch at home because of again something we rewatch. I don't think this is something you would rewatch. Is what mm-hmm. is my thing? Like right? Like this doesn't seem like. You're not like, I need to watch my Jungle Cruise a second time, even if it's just middle of the road kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but that but also again like i've talked about in my new house i'm building the theater so i will have my own theater to watch it on so yeah there you go i'll make my own popcorn damn it uh lastly is a trailer for the wish dragon coming to netflix i believe um right um is that right did i get that streaming service yeah, right? yeah it's netflix yeah. okay perfect did you watch this yet I am watching it on silent uh, right now. I have no idea what this is. Perfect. So this is essentially Aladdin, but for Asian markets. Uh, So a a character named Din is uh, trying to reconnect with his best friend, which is a little different from Aladdin, but he meets a wish-graining dragon in a teapot um, that essentially grants him the ability to become cool and hip and meet his, hang out with his friend as a... uh, um, I guess a rich person, if you will, the high and the hoity toity in modern times, which is essentially mm-hmm. what Aladdin did, right? Like it's the same mm-hmm. prim- basic premise, but updated to be, you know, dragons because animated dragons are everything this year uh, with Raya <laughs> and uh, Shang-Chi and now this. So um, I know you're watching on, on silent there, Mike, but do you, yeah, do you see mean, the similarities? Yeah, like it doesn't, it, yeah, I see the similarities narratively, but like, for a feature film, this doesn't look particularly like high budget. You know, I honestly, I I would believe you if at the end of the credits this said like new series coming to Netflix because everything does have that very cartoony look, right? Which is totally mm-hmm. fine. Like every mo- every uh, animated feature studio does that, but it's in the there's like no textures. Everything's like flat. Like nothing's really rendered to a high degree. So this just kind of seems like a lot of kind of what we've seen from Netflix in the past of like yeah. what we just want to make a bunch of stuff cheap. You know, we're just trying to get subscribers, and, you know, and the, like comparing, comparing this to like Mitchell's versus the machines, which just is oozing in character. So this just kind of seems who, like they dropped in. Who, some, who made, who some made mods. Mitchell's who made Mitchell's versus the machines? Uh, you know? that's, yeah. That's the Russo brothers. Well, but no, which company, which company? No, it wasn't oh, the Russo Sony. brothers. It's Lord Miller. So, Sony animation. Sony animation made this. Oh well, same company. Obviously, got there. <laughs> I don't want to be rude, but I think there's a different quality it, of team that was assigned to this movie. It feels like, again. I I don't know what the the term is. This is this a reaction to Raya and the Last Dragon, right? Kind of thing. Like you know, is it like a catch up kind of thing? But also, you know, is it? Um, it feels a lot like me again. Nothing against Big Hero Six, but like the animation style feels like Big Hero Six. Like the color palettes and everything, and the models. Um. I mean, to me, it just it just felt like this was yeah. a statistical move, right? I, I feel like nothing in animation can really be a, a reaction, almost, unless like this stuff was like planned years ago because it takes so long to make this. It, this just seems like uh, a CEO at, at uh, Netflix is just like, okay, we want to increase subscriptions over in our uh, eastern markets. Uh, let's well, make a movie uh, I, about again, you know, this narrative so it'll, before, it'll resonate over there. Before you, before you jump to conclusion, if you jump to the end, it is it is also financed by uh, Sparkle Roll Media and Tencent Pictures, which are like mm-hmm. huge, again, Asian market you know, mm-hmm. stock. Like Tencent owns everything, right? Like, they have a stock in Sony. They have stock in Fortnite and Epic and everything. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to lean the way like this feels – like it was kind of rushed by those because you know it is Tencent rather than Sony Animation, but like if you go and listen to it afterwards, you're gonna be like, this is Aladdin. Like this this <laughs> dragon is essentially the genie, right? Like he's gonna yeah, create wishes. Also, at the same time, this movie obviously is not, is not for us. Mm-hmm. This is for parents to put down their kids in front of Netflix. The Netflix kids catalog just got a little bit bigger. Yeah. You know, okay, it, you don't have to watch Coco Melon today. Please watch something different. That's not Coco Melon. I can't. It's, stand that anymore watch this this uh dragon movie well it's also interesting that the netflix um 
the YouTube channel has turned off comments on this trailer already, um, which they don't normally turn off comments on trailers. Yeah. So some, you know, something has gone sideways here, Mike. And yeah, I, I mean, usually, I mean, usually you could say like, "Oh, they're just ripping, they're just ripping off Disney's like Aladdin," but it's just like you kind of have to do your research there before you start accusing people of ripping people off because yeah. you know uh, the Lion King is basically a ripoff of uh, Kimba, Kimba, which yeah. was a manga made over in Japan. So it's just kind of like uh, there's there's a there's a chance that yeah. this whole like kind of genie Aladdin story could just be right. in a very well, old folklore. I don't sense. I don't think it's ripping off Aladdin. And I think I think it's the same plot points. You'll you'll notice it. I think is I think if anything is ripping off Ryan the Last Dragon. Uh, <laughs> it's got a bright pink dragon compared to the bright teal one. But um, yeah, I think I think you guys watch it. You'll you'll kind of see what that is. But knowing that you know the Sony animation on Netflix has hit pretty hard lately, right? Like you know knocked it out of the park with Mitchell Versus Machines. This is just an interesting ying to that gang, if you will, along the way. So here's that. All right, Mike, that is the show. That is the episode this week. We are good to go. If people know what you're up to, what they're doing, where can they find you at? Well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if people want to catch up with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Valdan87, or Twitter, Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N. Uh, people know more about the show. Uh, we'll eventually have a review coming up sometime, right? We've got to have movies eventually. Uh, I think Loki's the next yeah. thing dropping, really. Yeah, we usually talk about it during the shows. But yeah, if, if we get something else coming, where can they find this at? They need to, they need to be followers, right? Or they're not going to the, get these news. Yeah, the home for Superhero Slate has always been and will always be SuperheroSlate.com. That's the best place to find all the avenues we host our show and to get our excellent show notes. So if you want to see that first trailer for Venom, if you want to see the trailer for that Wish Dragon thing we were just talking about, or if you just want like a nice little list of everything that happened this week, head on over to SuperheroSlate.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you love to listen to fine podcasts. Please like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can get merch at SuperheroSlate.com slash store. Please reach out. We love hearing from you. What did you think about the show? Um, you know, are you looking forward to Venom? Do you think it just looks just like the first movie, or do you think it looks a little bit original? Let us know. Uh, we love our super fans. If you want to be a super fan of the show, all you got to do is share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, and we will be here every week, folks. So stay tuned. See you next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe.